listening to the Lone Star Plate Podcast with your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. I'm Katie Baldock. I'm one of the producers for Deep in the Heart. I uh, am a native Texan and I currently live in Austin and have been working in film production for a little over four years now. My name is Ben Masters, and I'm part of a film company called Fin and Fur Films, which is based in Texas, and I direct and shoot, and I uh, was the director for Deep in the Heart. Texas is a land of mystery and legend, incredibly vast and diverse. It's where the Rocky Mountains give way to the Great Plains, and where the forests of the deep south converge with the Blackland Prairie. From the spring-fed rivers that bless the hill country to the tropical forests of the Rio Grande Valley, Texas gives life to animals found nowhere else and attracts migrations from across the hemisphere. by water, where nature has selected for the most adaptable, and to those willing to stake their claim. first time, this film will celebrate the natural wonders of Texas. It is a story about tragedies in our past, of recoveries against all odds, and is a call to action to conserve the wildlife and wild places in our home. This is a story for all who love Texas. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Wow, what a wonderful episode we have. Um, you just saw the trailer for Deep in the Heart. Uh, it's a new film that's coming out exclusively in Texas and then in streaming like in July. So June 3rd, um, this comes out uh, in theaters. Um, it's a nature documentary, let's say, about Texas, showing the rare, unique side of Texas. Um, we'll put a link in the description for the film so you can find out where to see it uh, in your local theater. Um, lots of options. Honestly, I got to see it and I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. I, I honestly can't wait to see it in the theater because I saw it on my TV. Um, showed me sides of Texas I've never seen. And I've been all over Texas, seen everything. Um, love it. If you're a Texan, you're going to love this film. Really focuses on, you know, the wildlife of Texas and conservation and um, just beautiful. Some shots are just amazing. Of Texas skies especially are just like ridiculous. They're so good. Um, 
yeah, the cinematography is 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 amazing. And guess who narrates it? Lo and behold, one of our favorite Texans. Come on, Matthew McConaughey. He killed it. Just such a great narration. He adds a nice element to it, uh, to the film and depth and, um, you know, gives it some validity. It's just a, it's a great film. So um, if you can, please check it out. Um, this is a great film, you know, to explore the behind the scenes, how they made it, why they made it, um, and what we can do for Texas conservation. Uh, it's a great film, a lot of great, cool behind the scenes stories uh, with the film. And what makes this episode even more special is we teamed up with Factual America. That is our sister podcast. Um, we'll put a link in the description for that. We've done this before. So if you're new to the show, um, we have done that before. We have done shows with them before. So this was cool. We, and, and that's what Factual America you know, does. They, they do documentary films, right? And uh, discuss those. So boom, we put them together here, right? It was a perfect fit. Um, so I tagged along and uh, threw out my stupid questions when I could. And um, I apologize. You know, I hope I didn't let you all down. Um, it's a great episode. They do a good job of explaining everything. And um, yeah, I was my dumb old self. So anyway, um, great film, Deep in the Heart. Um, it's directed and written by Ben Masters uh, and produced by Katie Baldrock and Baldock, excuse me, and Jay Kleberg. Um, I'm going to assume that's how you say it. Um, and again, narrated by Matthew McConaughey. Again, we'll put a link in the description for this, right? So check it out. And again, you already saw the trailer. So get pumped. Go see the film. All right. Let's uh, jump into this interview. Enough of me blabbing. Um, here we go. Deep in the Heart, the film is called. Um, again, in conjunction with uh, Matt Sherwood of Factual America. And um, yeah, we have producer Katie and um, Ben, the director and writer, um, to talk about it. So great episode. Hope you like it. Check it out. And um, yeah. Oh, real quick, before we get to it, our social media, please don't forget, check us out online, Lone Star Plate TX. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. All right, guys, let's get to it. Enjoy. Ben and Katie, uh, welcome to Factual America and the Lone Star Plate. How are things with you, Katie? Things are good. Um, we uh, just had our world premiere of Deep in the Heart on Thursday and have gotten a lot of great feedback from it um, and getting ready for the theatrical release of the film on June 3rd. So lots of exciting things happening. Okay. And Ben, how about you? I'm just glad nobody slept through my movie the other night. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Set the bar here, right? You're like, let me just put the bar here. We're good. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey. Wise, wise film producer once told me the, the key to meeting your goals is to set low expectations. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, well, if, if, if I can share as a, uh, cause this was sort of a, a and thank thank you so much for your your flexibility i mean this is sort of a last minute arrangements and uh as a as a middle-aged man with a big glass of red wine watching this late at night i didn't fall asleep i was i was riveted so uh if that's a uh, yes. if that's a you know a thumbs up uh, a backhanded compliment obviously uh uh but please take it as it's intended uh just to remind our listeners uh we're talking about the film is deep in the heart uh, as we've uh, already heard, the theatrical release is coming uh, limited, if you can describe a Texas-wide theatrical release is limited, uh, on June 3rd. Um, are there other plans for uh, theatrical releases 
uh, in the U.S. or what are we looking at in terms of streaming? How are, how are people going to be able to see this in the, uh, in the weeks and months to come? Uh, we have no other plans for theatrical release outside of Texas currently, but mm. it'll be playing in about 60 theaters across Texas. Um, so pretty widely available in Texas theaters. Um, in mid-July, we'll be streaming on Apple TV, Google oh, wow. Play, Amazon. So it will be available for audiences outside of Texas in July. Okay, that's that's excellent news. Although, and I wish I had this opportunity, I would highly recommend going to the theater because that cinematography on a 15 inch screen just doesn't do it justice i have to say so uh uh do do come if you can if you're anywhere in texas it's on the website i know all the i'm from san antonio i saw there's a bunch of santicos theaters there that are showing it so um do do check it out um and certainly we've got a lot of uh we're a uk-based podcast we've got a lot of listener more than half of our viewers and listeners are us-based and i know a decent number in texas so so do check that out um ben and katie uh so most of our listeners we're going to be releasing this in the next uh few days weeks or week or so um uh ahead of the uh certainly the 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 around the time of the uh, release uh the, the theatrical release but uh ben maybe we start with you what is Deep in the Heart all about? Maybe you can give us a little synopsis for our listeners. Yeah, so Deep in the Heart is a 100-minute movie that is similar in style to Planet Earth in the sense that it has, you know, different wildlife sequences that build on top of each other that show off some of the most remarkable wildlife spectacles and uh you know, eco-regions in the state of Texas. And it also weaves in the story of our society's relationship with wildlife in Texas over the past 150 years. And then, you know, the movie begins with, with the great slaughter of, of the bison on the plains and, you know, this horrible loss of our wildlife in Texas. And then it shows these amazing recoveries that we've had in the state, as well as, you know, some opportunities for us to do a lot better in, you know, ensuring that we conserve our amazing rivers and bays and, you know, functioning e ecosystems here in the state. Um, you know, I, I studied wildlife biology. So this has been a passion project and, and a real, a real dream come true to get to show off my state. I think that's a very good point. I think, um, you know, I, because having been born and raised there, I'm aware, but I think probably for a lot of listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, they think of Texas and they think of tumbleweeds and desert and things like that. But it, it is probably one of the most um, ecologically diverse set of ecosystems that you could imagine in, in one sort of place, isn't it? I mean, maybe you could give us a little bit more on that because it's quite amazing what we're, um, what you are presenting in your film. You often would have to go around the globe to find these different, uh, different ecosystems and they're all in one state, you know? Yeah. If you look at where Texas is positioned and also it's just massive size. I mean, we have, yeah. A little bit of the Rocky Mountains out west. We have, you know, some of the swamps and pine forests in East Texas, and then it merges with the Great Plains up north. Then we have this amazing 
band of hill country, you know, right there in the center with the Edwards Plateau with this awesome aquifer system that just brings life to like 12 different rivers that then flow down to the Gulf of Mexico into this really elaborate bay system that's protected from the Gulf that is, you know, just an incredibly rich uh, coastline. And then the southern tip of Texas has more of like a subtropical or Tomalipan thorn scrub type of ecosystem where we've got these, you know, animals like ocelots and mm. these tropical species. Um, so Texas kind of has a ton of different ecoregions inside of it, but then it, it's also situated in the continent to where a ton of our butterflies and bats and birds mm. that go, you know, north to south during their annual migrations, they get funneled through the state because we have mountains to the west and the Gulf of Mexico to the east. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really cool spot. And, you know, to be honest, I learned a lot about, a lot about my home state during this production. And, uh, it's been a really amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to, and I know we're going to be talking about all these things that uh, you mentioned ocelots. That's one I want to talk about and the Edwards aquifer, uh, which is, I've been hearing about since I was a, a little boy, but, uh, um, I mean, how did this idea for this film come about? You don't just, um, you know, Ben and Katie, you don't just one day say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a hundred minute nature film on the, you know, in the, in the, it like planet earth or do a David Attenborough or whoever. I mean, this is, uh, quite a challenging and quite an amazing film that you've, you're bringing to the screen. I mean, how did this, uh. How did the idea for this come about and how do you go about making a, a nature doc like this? For, uh, Katie, he wants, Ben wants you to answer that one. You, you get all the tough questions. Well, <laughs> yes, it really, <laughs> Ben was the mastermind behind it, but I, I can, I can take this one. Um, really our, uh, the, the inspiration for this came a lot from previous projects that we've worked on. Um, mm -hmm. One of those being the ocelots. We were filming ocelots for uh, probably a few months before we started on Deep in the Heart. And just the more we've learned about different wildlife species in Texas, different ecoregions, um, it really brought uh, our awareness that there's there's a lot of a lot of these wildlife stories that people don't know about and like we discussed previously there's a lot of um, misconceptions about Texas you know ideas of like what Texas is that in some cases it's true in some cases it's not um, so we really just wanted to show what we have here and the diversity of the landscapes and the wildlife and the fragility and um, and resiliency of the natural resources that we have. Um, mm. So it's it's really just been kind of accumulation of inspiration mm. from past projects that we've worked on, um, the biologists that we've met, the uh, wildlife species we've been able to see, um, and just, just wanted to showcase that to the rest of mm. Texas. Well, I mean, since you brought it up, I mean, let's talk ocelots, because I seem to remember coming across this news story a few years ago where, I mean, we essentially we thought these were mythical beasts or whether they even existed anymore. Uh, you guys must, uh, 
and that would have maybe been in my hometown paper. And I, I think uh, as you 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 have a whole segment on them, but uh, you've got to probably have some of the you know they're very hard creatures I gather to get on film uh, or to track down. Um, but you must you guys must have some of the most um, well probably the best footage ever of ocelots I would imagine. Uh, I mean, maybe tell us a little bit more, our viewers, listeners, what what we're talking about. We, as this this guy keeps talking about ocelots, what what are we talking about here? Uh, when it comes to uh, this 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 thing, this uh, it's another one of these great stories that you interweave throughout this uh, throughout this doc. Yeah, um, so ocelots are an endangered cat species that live in South Texas. They're uh, about thirty pounds. Um, similar to similar looking to a jaguar or a leopard but smaller um and they're just a beautiful beautiful cat um they are pretty isolated um as far as where they live uh so there's pretty small populations populations that exist are um pretty fragile um but we we started trying to film ocelots um about three years ago and really what what allowed us to do that is um advanced camera trap technology so because the cats are so elusive and there's so few of them um it's not like filming elk or certain bird species where you can just go out and see them um they live in really dense thick thorn scrub habitat that's um difficult to get through and you could be walking through this landscape and there could be an ocelot 10 feet away from you, but you wouldn't be able to see it just because it's so, it's so thick. Um, so we set out camera traps um, that are, they're high quality cameras inside of waterproof uh, boxes essentially. And they're connected to beam brake sensors where if an animal walks through, it triggers the camera to turn on and then it starts filming. So that is what allowed us to get so much footage of ocelots in the wild um and we do have the first known footage of wild ocelots in the united states um and it was just we really we weren't we we thought that it was a very slim chance of getting any daytime footage of ocelots because they are typically nocturnal um mm. and we were really surprised by how much we were able to see um i think in a year of filming, we got over five hours of footage of ocelots just in the daytime. That's not including mm. nighttime shots. Um, wow. They really didn't seem to mind the presence of our cameras being there. And it was just really, really special to get that intimate look into how they interact with each other, how a mother interacts with her kittens and teaches the kittens how to hunt and provide for themselves. Um, so that was a really, really special opportunity for us. Hmm. Well, well, let me let me jump in real quick here. Ron. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, I um, uh, th this leads me to a great question. So, like, I'm curious what animals you you had you could be the most open with filming, and what you know what ones you had to be the most secretive with. So it sounds like ocelot were you know some of the ones you had to sort of right. We gotta be out of the picture here. Uh, per se, no pun intended, uh, to be get them in picture, I guess. So, yeah, what what sort of other animals were you could just be more free with the camera, right? And some you got to be sneaky with. Curious. Uh, ben so, or, 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 okay, I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah. So, so one of the things that we wanted to do is to not, is, is to show about 12 different species that were each in a different ecoregion in Texas. Sure. So a lot of it was figuring out kind of where to film and then to also find an animal and the behavior for that animal that represents something larger than itself. For example, the alligator gar that mm. we filmed on the Trinity yeah. River. Yeah, it's yeah. this amazing seven foot long fish that's the size of you that lives in a river, grows to be 70 years old. And once every five years, whenever the floodwaters are just right, the females will leave the rivers and go out onto the floodplain, deposit their eggs. And as they go, they like leave these scent trails where the males follow. So you've got these, you know, like a dozen fish the size of a human out swimming through water that's only like 10 inches deep, just this amazing behavior. And it's cool by itself, but it also speaks to the importance of healthy rivers and how, you know, those naturally occurring floods are really important for our native fish to, uh, to have the reproductive cycle. Um, so that's kind of how we decided to identify our characters. And what we decided to do was um, the bison up in the plains, because that, you know, tells us, tells us a lot about our history. And then a wonderful recovery story uh, we did a white-tailed deer rut sequence down in South Texas that was really rowdy. And, you know, mm. deer is this cultural phenomenon in Texas. Um, then we did the ocelots, which is, you know, this super rare animal that, that we haven't recovered, but we need to recover. And there's a lot of opportunities for us to do so. And then we tried to shine a light on some of our more elusive and crazy animals like the uh, the blind catfish and the blind salamander, which are literally found below my feet right now in the aquifer down to like 2,000 feet deep in this subterranean world in which we know very little about. Wow. And they've just adapted to these cave systems. There's enough nutrients that soaks through the soil where it's created this whole evolution of life where stuff doesn't have eyes and they just kind of creep around and eat each other, uh, which is really crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're also connected to us in a sense because they rely on the same healthy aquifers that support our springs, which, you know, bring life to our rivers. Um, we did a, a very intense sequence on Bracken Cave, which is the largest bat cave in the world. I think we spent like 12 and a half minutes there that just showed this, not only this amazing emergence as 20 million bats exit in a bat NATO from a cave to go fly a hundred miles and kill moths, you know, many hours away. Um, but everything else that comes in and preys upon these baby bats as they learn how to fly. It's a really cool sequence. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's rowdy, man. Uh, yeah, it's so, for that so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. I thought we, they should have hired you guys of... for Morbius, right? Because uh, those bad shots sucked in that movie. I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, they, they need to bring these guys in. No, it, honestly. And being from Texas, I'm in Dallas right now. Like, I'm a, I'm a Texan. Like, seeing, and I lived in Austin for a long time. Um, I've never seen the bats like that. That was really cool, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, re quite amazing, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild. The the editor and I, Sam Clatt, you know, kudos, hats off to him. We watched a lot of horror films for that sequence <laughs> to figure out how to do jump scares properly and then <laughs> how to like set up the music and make it as scary as we possibly could. Wow. And we succeeded. On the premiere night, I looked up in the front row and there was like this seven-year-old kid that like had to leave the scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Yeah, scared a kid. Oh, bam. I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm going to show it to my nine-year-old. So I'm going to see how, how I'll let you know how, how he reacts. But uh, yeah, Katie, I know I shouldn't say? be proud of that, but like, no, I, no, I love I it. Totally I, I, I love it. I love it. That's great. Then I, I think you're referring to my nephew. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Poor, poor kid. Uh, I didn't say anything bad about him. So no, no, no. He recovered. Timid kid from East Texas. <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. Hey, that's real. I mean, that those are real. You know, that's like legit stuff. No CGI in that, right? Uh, th those are real bats. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, like you, you're gonna jump and get scared, and you there was never a bat, there was a trap a one too. There was a trap part that got me too. That was a bit. That was honestly my biggest jump scare in the in the film. I don't know if you remember when the mm -hmm. trap went out. That got me. Uh, I was already tense at that Lines. moment. Yeah, yeah, I was already tense at that moment though uh, with the traps. But yeah, um, yeah, that was that was a well edited sequence. I'm really proud of that one and just kind of shows the reality of what these mountain lions have to live with in texas uh but to keep going through our list we, we did a beautiful dark sky sequence out in west texas um, you know we have the darkest yes. uh skies of any national park in the, in the united states um you know a black bear story this amazing story of how they're they're coming back um a mountain lion story i'm not going to give away anything there because you gotta mm. go see it and see what happens but it's yes. it's scary like you said um we showed a story of of hope in east texas and how many of these forests have regrown and you know through those forests flow these really amazing rivers in the eastern half of texas that support this gigantic fish the the alligator gar um we show a spawning sequence and then we kind of take the rivers out into the gulf of mexico and along the way we show all the life that it brings to alligators to migrating birds redfish and then you know the movie kind of climaxes at the end or, or finishes with uh with this really beautiful coral reef that growing up here i didn't even know that we had there's mm. a coral reef off of texas um so yeah it's a true journey across the state it has some of our most charismatic animals and it also has some of our most unknown yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we could take each one of those. So in, in trying to weave these, you know, in, in weaving all these stories together, um, I mean, sort of cut to the chase, because there's plenty to talk about. But um, what is the point, you know, what is, what's the message you are, you're trying to get across? You're trying to reach Texans 
And is this a bit of a call to action in terms of this is where we've been, this is what we have achieved to make up for some of the past wrongs, and but yet a lot more still needs to be done. Is that is that a fair enough assessment? Yeah. Yes, I uh, I think <clears throat> excuse me. Um, a lot of times when looking into conservation issues, um, really all over the world, um, yeah. it's it's easy to get really discouraged by animals that are being endangered and going extinct and ecosystems that are being impacted by human activity. Um, it's, it's easy to kind of get down and lose hope on that. But um, at the same time, these, a lot of these wildlife species and ecosystems are resilient. And when given the room mm. to, to recover, they, they can. And in some cases, um, you know, that just means humans stepping back and allowing it to recover. We've seen that with the forest in East Texas um, by just purchasing land and allowing them to regrow. In other cases, um, such as the ocelots, that involves human interaction with um, us stepping in and, you know, taking, taking measures to recover those species. Um, but regardless, there's always, there's always stories of hope. And that's what, what we hope to show with this film is that, yes, there's, there's a lot of work we have to do and there's a lot of, um, you know, problems that we have to solve, but there are people and organizations that are working on doing that. And, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of actions that people can take both in large and small ways to contribute to that recovery. I mean, um, I think we'll have, well, your website certainly has links to many of these organizations, but do you want to, um, at the risk of leaving someone out, but maybe give some more shout outs to some of these people. Cause, uh, um, <clears throat> how important were they in, in the making of this film? Um, a lot of the organiza organizations and biologists were critical in the making of this film, whether it was um, donating money or giving us land access or providing information. Um, one example is, uh, again, back to the ocelots. Um, the population that we filmed in South Texas is on private land. And we had access to, um, it's the East Foundation. Um, they're an incredible organization uh, that works with uh, ranchers in South Texas to um, show that you, you can have private land and ranching and still be stewards of the land uh, with benefits to wildlife. Um, so East Foundation, Cesar Clayberg Wildlife Research Institute in, um, in South Texas, both were really critical in helping us get footage of the ocelots. And just examples like that all across the state, the Nature Conservancy in West Texas, um, their properties where we filmed mountain lions, um, the San Antonio Zoo helped mm. us with the blind catfish and blind salamanders. So every, every single se sequence that you see in the film, there are organizations and people behind that that contributed to us making that a reality and that are doing work to conserve that ecosystem or that, that species. Okay. And, um, Amazing. and then how about, uh, I mean, you mentioned something financially, but you know, this is this, these nature docs aren't cheap to make. Um, do you, how did you, how did you, uh, were, were they also involved in sort of, how did you, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the business side of these, this yet or, or at all really, but the, the sort of, I mean, how did you get this, uh, how did you get backers behind this film? I mean, 
you know, Texas has a lot of individuals that have made a lot of money and it's also an extremely philanthropic state. I mean, almost all of our conservation work has been done Mm -hmm. through private dollars. A lot of it is. And, uh, you know, we've been making wildlife movies for, for 10 years or so now, and we've just developed a network of people who think that film and, um, and movies is money well spent whenever it comes to, you know, promoting their goals of advancing the education of, of, of conservation and of wildlife. And, uh, so we were able to apply for grants and, uh, reach out to individuals and philanthropists in Texas that, that funded the film. And, you know, I think that that's something that's also kind of unique to Texas because we have, you know, the people that, that can fund this kind of stuff. And I'm extremely grateful for it because it's very mm-hmm. expensive. You know, yeah. we had uh, probably over a thousand cameraman days uh, yeah. during production and, and, you know, some high quality gear and really good uh, composers. So yeah, it was, it was an expensive endeavor and it was, it was still tight on funds. And uh, I'm really hoping, really hoping the release is successful because that'll make it a little bit easier for us to make the next one. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was self-funded, you know, made by Texans with, with Texas money. Was that how you guys uh, got uh, McConaughey involved? Yeah, that actually happened a lot easier than I had anticipated. Uh, we got to a rough cut stage and I called his agent. I just Googled McConaughey's agent and uh, been sent there. him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I called him on the phone and he actually picked up. Told him about the project and he asked for some sample footage to send to Matthew. And Matthew saw it and was like, this is awesome. Like, this is Amazing. just bleeding yeah. Texas. I want to be a part of this. Yes. And, Excellent. And he delivered a phenomenal performance. Oh, are you kidding so me? So good. So he really yeah. makes uh, it's a it's really an integral part of the film. Not that the visual part isn't, but his narration really uh, does add. Plus, people know, right? He is a true Texan. He loves Texas. He cares about Texas. Like it's a perfect match. Uh, mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, he he's amazing. Uh, even a nice little dig at Oklahoma in there. Yeah, I, to, I saw Texas it. Movie. I saw it. I thought, yep, perfect. There's no look. That's what we do here in Texas, right? We always. What's the best thing about Oklahoma? It's a. It's close to Texas. That's yeah. you know. That's it. So look, I get it. Uh, no, I loved it. Um, yeah, he added such a great element to it. Um, what was his? Was his narration? Um, okay, so y'all all already shot some stuff, brought him in afterward. Did he narrate with a finished rough cut sort of thing? That that sort of style, like, or did he help? with his narration then helped the edit somewhat if that makes sense like help direct the edit it was a dance yeah Um, Yeah. it was it was a dance you know i did the tip narration and we actually got got to a a soft lock a soft picture lock and Mm -hmm. then um matthew came in and did his narration and what we discovered is is matthew's voice is it, it, it like almost has a melody to it where mm. he strings together a complete thought almost as one. And it's very legible. And it, and it has just like such an iconic, beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. Whereas my tip narration kind of had these pauses and right. halts. So it was a lot, you know, more spread out. 
So he delivered it. And then we, you know, I had to maneuver a couple scenes around to make it fit just right. And some of the words, you know, rolled off better for him, but overall, it, you know, it worked out really well. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. Really? Um, was he at the premiere the other night? No, he was on a shoot. It was uh. a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's really, I mean, no, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, what, what a bit of inspiration if it was always so easy to just call someone up and say, Hey, <laughs> do you mind narrating this film? You know, it's, uh, but that's, uh, um, it's, it's all I mean, about that, your message, right? And the footage, right? I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, in your past work, I'm sure Ben and you know what you guys stand for. Um, yeah, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. yeah and it speaks to the values that, that Matthew has as exactly. well. Like yeah, he, he cares about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. All right, guys, hope you're enjoying this episode. Um, we are not going to be talking about uh, our sponsor on this. Please stay tuned till the end of the video to hear more about our sponsor, Texas Real Food. Instead, I'm going to tell you about a segment called Reheat. It is where we look back at a past episode we've done, okay? And just remind you about it. So right now what I want to do, because this is a great uh, nature documentary about Texas, uh, I want to focus on another documentary that um, we, a Texas documentary that we had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, the people behind that film. Um, and we'll put a link uh, in the description, but basically it's about Molly Ivins. And I just think that's such a wonderful, you know, contrast to this, but still about Texas. So please check that out. Um, it's a great uh, documentary, but also a great episode. Um, so again, we'll put a link in the description for that and the famous Molly Ivins. Yeah, it's a great episode. So, all right, guys, let's get back to the show. Again, the film is Deep in the Heart, and we are speaking with Ben and Katie, uh, who made this film happen. All right, let's get to it. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about the cinematography because I think that's what's so, you know, you you you've made a very artful and stunning film with 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 that. That must uh, you've already talked about the number of hour camera hour man hours you had, and you know it's it doesn't doesn't happen overnight. Um, I mean that was a that must have been a conscious decision when you were making this film that you wanted it to be something that was stunning as well as telling a telling these Texas stories. Oh well, thank you for for the compliment there. Um, uh, the director of photography, Skip Hobby, yeah. was kind of the guide of you know how many of the scenes were shot. And kind of how we went into it is whenever we would go and shoot a sequence, mm. we would have an idea of what that sequence would be about. But because it's nature and it's not scripted, you don't know what you're going to get. Mm. So what we would try to do is get the critical behaviors first. And whether that was a buck fight, whether that was black bears climbing trees to mm. get, um, you know, acorns or whether that was you know uh the alligator gar spawning we went for the critical behaviors first because without the critical behaviors there was no reason to get any of the establishing shots mm. so we went for the critical behaviors once we got them we were like all right how do we then 
build out this story with the right light mm. and with the right type of setting that is going to take you into that critical behavior. And then also to look at coming out of the transition as well into the next scene. So throughout the whole process, as we would shoot, we would bring the footage in, ingest it, kind of put together these rough string outs and just kind of see how the movie was playing together, which then guided a, a, a lot of the shooting. Uh, but it was all small teams and, mm. you know, none of us are super experienced cinematographers. We just mm. watched a ton of Planet Earth 2 and saw what other people were doing and <laughs> figured it out. Yeah. And was this all, I mean, how, how many years did this take to make? And was this most of it done over during the pandemic? Yeah, so this started in 2018 and mm. um, we shot most of it in two years, uh, but there was kind of some pickups and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we didn't shoot, you know, the entire time. Some of the shoots only took an afternoon, like the alligator gar sequence took an afternoon. Whereas the mountain lion took a year. I mean, we had camera traps for a full year. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and, some of the Texas uh, sky shots were unbelievable, well, right? Like yeah. with the clouds in there. I mean, there were shots of Texas in this I've never, like, I've never seen captured before, but I've always known about Texas, right? When <laughs> It's like when you try to tell people, describe a Texas sky to people, it's hard. You got to see a bunch of them and like, you know, put it together, right? Like y'all did such a great job of just showing, you know, really these unique parts of mm -hmm. Texas, e even for people that are from here, right? Like I learned things about Texas. I had no idea and I've, you know, lived here my whole life. It's crazy. Yeah, um, amazing, amazing, really. I mean, if you've never, if you've never been out to Big Bend and seen how dark the skies are, you really don't, you don't yeah. understand it or comprehend it. I, I grew up, um, I grew up in East Texas and we have dark skies there, but I, you know, I had always heard about dark skies in Big Bend. You can see the Milky Way and yeah, you, you don't fully understand mm. it until you see it. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful part of Texas, uh, Marfa, mm -hmm. that area too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Y'all did just such a great job of capturing again, parts that a lot of people go out and capture, but I don't know just the way y'all shot it. It was a great question, Matt. Um, I've seen The River and the Wall, um, and uh, you had similar... I was skipping Hobby involved with that as well, because that you mm -hmm. had some similar... Not similar... Well, similar. Uh, there, I mean, it was very evocative. I mean, I, I remember commenting, because uh, just so you know, back when we first got started, one of the first films we did was The River and the Wall. Uh, that one of our uh, illustrious uh, sponsors uh, talked about, who's also got Texas connections. And I remember thinking you could actually, f I could feel the heat coming off of one of the scenes when you're, when you're filming out in West Texas. So, um, so what's your, what's your goal? You want people to come out of the theater, Texans to come out just inspired, right? To, and what can we do? Because that's, I think you made a very good point, Katie, uh, and something that we, Patrick and I were discussing beforehand. And I, we've, as you know, we've on Factual America, we've had a few now of these nature docs and um, they run the gamut. And certainly not long ago, many nature docs were all scare, trying to scare the hell out of us and maybe rightfully so. But uh, we know most people when they're 
when you scare them and shock them like that, they basically kind of go comatose and go into a bit of state of inaction. Uh, and certainly, um, you, you're of a generation now of filmmakers who are making these films that are actually saying, wait a minute, okay, there are challenges, obviously, but there are solutions as well. And there are things we can do. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes we take steps forward and sometimes we take, take steps back. But uh, on the whole, if we all get in, you know, pulled together and there are things that we can do, whether we're part of big organizations or I think as Ben was saying in Texas, which is a very interesting point you're making that, um, you know, how much of this is done through the private sector. Um, but, uh, you know, what is... What do you want to have? What do you want this film's legacy to be? Yeah, I, I think it's a tricky balance to reach between um, highlighting the urgency for action without making people feel discouraged and, you know, mm. a, a good balance between doom and gloom and hope. Um, you know, so it, in order to highlight the urgency, like you have to, you have to show our failures and mm. our challenges and the areas where we aren't doing well and statistics on, you know, what, what could happen if we don't take action, but also providing ways that we can preserve these ecosystems and wildlife species, um, Finding that balance is tricky sometimes, but if if people go see this film and then walk out of the theater feeling inspired to go to the website, support organizations that are listed on the website, mm -hmm. if they feel specifically compelled to focus their efforts on helping the Gulf Coast of Texas, mm -hmm. and then they go to the website and either donate money for an organization on the Gulf Coast, or if they go home and transform their front yard into a native garden instead, then mm. that, that is, that is what we hope to come out of this film. Okay. And, and Ben, what's, what do you think are the priorities? I mean, in terms of what we, you know, in globally, but certainly specifically Texas, what, what needs to, you know, is it, is it, I mean, it's probably all of the above, but is it water conservation? Cause that certainly was uh, no pun intended running through all the, most of the, uh, the, the different stories and vignettes um is it um is it rewilding is it uh, what what do we need to i mean you know what what would you think are the priorities in terms of uh of of the you know given the you know there is an urgency here um well before i dive into the priorities i do want to acknowledge that what we did in the credits like the film ends and then hmm. right there it tells you many different ways and how to get involved hmm. like here's how you can sign your support for tpwd to begin managing mountain lions to ensure that they have a future right in our right. state right. like right. here's what you can do to get involved in ocelots here's some resources how you can transition your lawn to where it can provide habitat for these amazing migrating birds and these amazing, you know, migrating butterflies and bats. Uh, 
you know, we live in the most important migratory corridor in North America. And if you have, you know, a lawn, you can provide habitat for that stuff. And I mean, that's really cool. That's mm. better than having some stupid exotic plant that just looks pretty. Um, you tell that to your landscaper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and absorbs and, tons of water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like as a society, you know, in Texas, a lot of our endemic animals, animals that are found nowhere else, they're primarily water-based mm. and water is an issue that an individual can't fix. An individual can do things to, mm. to reduce their use on water. But at the end of the day, if government doesn't make the decision to, you know, put the right actions to, to, to ensure that we have healthy rivers and healthy aquifers and, you know, kind of, delegate those tasks out to different water conservation districts, you know, that would be the biggest shame of all because, mm. you know, Texas rivers are absolutely integral to, to our mm. identity. And it should be very alarming to people that just in the last 50 years, we've lost one half of our major springs in the state. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like a political thing. It's not a left or a right thing. It should be something yeah. that everybody gets behind. And that was really important to us with the messaging of this film is we didn't want to alienate people. We wanted mm -hmm. to bring all Texans together and be like, hot damn, our home is fucking rad and we should make sure to make it better. Yeah. That should be your, uh, that should be your tagline. I think, uh, for this hot film, damn, the Texans <laughs> is fucking rad. Fucking rad. Yes. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get more wider distribution. Right I think. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be, you've, you've got it right there. But Katie, we you... well with our uh, our messaging about the film being family friendly. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. It, it is. Well, you know, I mean, it. some. I mean, my. I, I would finally get one of my teenagers to watch. But, uh, um, I mean, this is you know, I think, and, and that's a very good point too. Because one thing I haven't done, I do. I have a family, and I do want to. And I know Patrick's got some nephews and stuff. So you know, I do want to sit down and watch this with them because I think it's a it's a great film to, that they will really appreciate, um, especially since they haven't grown up there. But uh, you know, this water thing's interesting because I, I mean, I'm of an age. I'm of when I was a little boy, all we heard about was it was absolutely verboten. You could not build on the recharge zone for the Edwards Aquifer. Lo and behold, fifty years later, there's like I mean, as you say, the hill country is the fastest growing part of the state. There's buildings. I mean, many of the people who are going to be coming to see your film live in the recharge zone now and in and, and, and subdivisions and developments. And, uh, um, you know, is that uh, at the same time in the film, you mentioned that a lot of areas have now been protected. I don't know if that's through Nature Conservancy or, you know, which is a great organization or, or uh, how, how they've done it. But uh you know, is this, uh, is the water issue, you've mentioned it's a big one, it's what, it certainly is the big part of this Texas story, but is that, uh, are, are there anything, is there anything specific, is there any legislation, are there anything, anything that's going to be happening in terms of uh, protecting uh, Texas's water? There's a lot of stuff that happens every single day with Texas yeah. water and some of it's voluntary it's not regulatory actually a lot of it's voluntary yeah. uh one of the organizations that is supported in the credits is texas water trade 
And mm-hmm. what they do is they take a look at who has the rights to water and they figure out ways to buy those rights and then, you know, either put them back into the river or put them back into the aquifer. Mm. And whenever you take a look at something like Austin and Barton Springs pool, yeah. think about what that does to the economy and to the culture of Austin. Yeah. Like if it was needed for them to raise, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to buy the water rights that were critical for that spring to flow, it would be a no brainer. Yeah. And yeah. that's what they're doing pretty much to across the state is saying like, all right, like, you know, these water rights used to be here, let's buy these water rights. And if that, brings fresh water into the Gulf, then that's going to provide, you know, this mm-hmm. economic benefit for recreational fishing and shrimping and Gulf coastal tourism. So they're just shifting these things around and working with the system that that is because it's Texas, you know, mm-hmm. regulation is a bad word. And it's just important to know the landscape that we're working with. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I was super inspired. I mean, across the state, everywhere we went, we found landowners and a lot of private folks doing stuff as well as, as yeah. like public and private public partnerships. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great time to be in conservation because you can actually mm. do something and there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. I think that's, um, uh, well, what, what struck me too was uh, we used to hear that that C word doesn't get used that much anymore in some ways. We always hear about the environment and things, but conservation is a, it's almost a sort of a 19, I mean, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, it's kind of almost a, an old school way, but I think it's probably a good way to, to, to approach this. Uh, used to hear a lot about uh, fishermen and uh, um, different hunters organizations and all working on, on these sort of things and trying to preserve uh uh, nature for future generations. I mean, what about farmers and ranchers? Are they, I mean, I don't want to make too much of it, but are they slowly coming on board as, as well? I know you mentioned some of the ones in South Texas, uh, with regards to the ocelot, but is that, is this something, do you sense a sea? I mean, I guess what I'm getting at, do you, uh, and I'm not trying to give farmers and ranchers a bad name, believe me, but uh, do you, do you sense, I think generally, is there kind of a sea change? People are realizing that actually it is in our interest to, preserve you know to ensure that we have the water that we need um i don't know if any of these springs can come back but you know to 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 have those all come back into action yeah i think so certainly um you know again we filmed across across the state and you know now we have the technology and we have the tools to where you know if if a rancher wants to replant in native grasses they Mm. can do that like we've figured out how to propagate it. We figured out how to, you know, bring these, these prairies back. And I think that there's tremendous interest across the state from different private landowners who really want to take as good of care of their land as possible. And they get it. Like, you know, Texas is really, really special. And to get to own a piece of that and to steward a piece of that, the people who have that opportunity, they take a lot of pride in it. Yeah. So, Basically, what we're talking about is rewilding the state, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think some stuff already has been rewilded extremely successfully. You know, yeah. if you look at white-tailed deer, you know, right, hundred was... years ago there was fewer than a hundred thousand. Today, there's five million. You look at turkeys, you look at desert bighorn sheep, you look at bison, you look at pronghorn. Yeah. There's a lot of success stories in Texas, and you know, there's obviously some some spots for improvement. 
you know, the ocelot, we've been dragging our feet on, on doing reintroductions there, but we definitely need to get uh, some more ocelots on the landscape. Mountain lions, you know, they should be managed with some degree of regulation just so we don't lose that species from Texas. It's so important to our identity and the current regulations are just from a, yeah. from a bygone yeah. era that yeah. need to get updated. I mean, I just think how many Texas high schools have cougars as their mascot? I mean, I think that enough should be enough to keep, yeah. uh, you know, to, to get a change there. So an interesting statistic is in the top 10 mascots in Texas, the Panthers, the Lions, the Cougars, and the Wildcats yeah. are in the top 10. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a part of our identity, and it's bullshit that somebody can go out and trap a cat and just leave it in a trap until it dies from dehydration. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I thought that I thought that's something we'd left behind many, many years ago. Uh, like, what can restaurants and you know, I come from the restaurant industry. Um, what can restaurants do to sort of help with this? Um, you know, what they provide right to the community creates demand, right, and that trickles down, uh, which leads to this. So, has that ever been thought of, or I don't know, any plans for that? Anybody? Um, I mean, that's that's not something we go into on the film, sure. but uh, really just being being conscious on the ingredients and where the food comes from and how it's sourced and um, as far as produce, getting produce from local farmers and um, being aware of where the meat comes from and how it's raised. And um, mm. yeah, there's definitely things that the restaurant industry can do but it's it's not something that's touched on in the film right now but, but sure. I, th I i to, to pick up on what katie's saying also i think what the film does so well is and i know like ben was saying i mean well there's things we can do as individuals and there's certain things we you know are beyond our abilities as individuals and we need to work as with organizations and things like on water and stuff but what the film does so well and opens with is that it was this woman who saved the last five bison back in the 1880s or 90s whenever that was exactly and then basically had them i don't know how she did it but she she saved them and that herd that was in Paladura canyon i think it's been moved but uh um now we've got a i mean look we're not talking five million as there used to be but there at least is a herd of bison roaming free in the plains of texas and that started with one person right um someone who was way ahead of her time um and i think there's going there must be probably been you're probably being uh well there's limits to what you could do and being maybe even a bit bashful but you're probably coming across examples of that all the time when you were going around texas filming i would imagine yeah, another thing that comes to mind is in East Texas, in the Big Thicket Preserve in the 1940s, there was a lady named Geraldine Watson. And whenever she was a kid, she got to see some of the Big Thicket before it was all cut down. And I'm talking about all of it cut down. And then, you know, it came back as these small trees, but they weren't the same. And she just had this vision of like trying to bring back this forest that she knew in her childhood and she, she she dedicated her life and she had family members she had friends saying like hey you're crazy you're off the rocker and whenever she died she could look back and say that she was one of the main reasons and was the force behind the big thicket national preserve 
which is, you know, almost a quarter million acres. It's found in East Texas and is one, one of the most diverse uh, preserves and was the first national preserve in the country. So you look at these different issues and these different reintroductions and rewilding and these big ideas that we take for granted, they're often started by just a handful of individuals who just won't give up on them. Yeah, absolutely. Activists. Well, and right? adding on to that, I really a big part of it too is public outreach and just sharing the word about um, the importance of conserving these resources because um, back to Geraldine Watson and what Ben was talking about her, a big part of her mission was public outreach in the big thicket region. Um, a lot of, at that time, a lot of people in the area were really against um, conserving those, those landscapes and um, preserving the land to bring back the forests. And so what a, a big part of what she did was just reaching out to people in the community and expressing the importance of, of preserving that. And I think that's, you know, that's something that anybody can do. If you don't have money to donate to an organization, don't have the resources to, you know, plant an extensive native garden, um, anybody can, can spread the word on the importance of, of conserving. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you for the, for the job you two are doing for spreading that word. I think it's, uh, um, as someone I don't, I'm not, privilege to live in Texas at the moment, but I, I certainly have a lot of fond memories of uh, going fishing and going for hikes and going trips to the Big Bend and uh, all these things. And I, I think it's, uh, it, it, it captures a, uh, something that I think is, like I think I said, we said at the top, I mean, um, uh, probably many people around the globe or even within the, within the U.S. or in some even within the state of Texas do not appreciate the uh, the, the diversity and the, the various ecosystems that, uh, that, this, that the state has and, and, and a beauty that it has uh, that uh, is, is very unique, I would say. Um, we've already talked about there's going to be a bit of a wider release, but what are the, what are the any more, what are the further plans for, for this film? Um, once you've gone, you've, you've got the release in June, wider release streaming on July. Uh, it's just to continue uh, spreading the word. Is that is that the plan? Yeah, we're gonna keep spreading the the word, and we've broken down the film into shorter segments to you know okay. live as as standalone pieces and to give to the different organizations that helped us put it together. And then each of those segments is also gonna have or already has a curriculum guide, so that teachers have the resources to you know show their kids like this is a bison, this is the history in Texas, oh. this is how it works in that part of the region. Uh, so yeah, trying to get as much good out of the footage that we can. That's awesome. Okay. Wow, that's so cool. And and I know uh, Patrick on his uh, site, we'll do it on ours as well. We'll have uh, in the show notes, certainly we'll have links to the website and, and these things. So oh, yeah, of course. Um, I, I've had a look around. I highly recommend everyone um, have a look at the website. And yeah, there's all these great resources, all these great organizations whether you uh, whether it's ocelots or Guadalupe bass or whatever it is that uh, tickles your fancy, there's there is some organization that you can uh, reach out to or support um, if you if that's something that uh, you're able to do. So uh, do highly recommend the uh, besides watching the film, 
watch the film and then go to the website and uh uh do what you can um Ben and Katie, you've been, you've collaborated on a few films now. Uh, I mean, what's what's next for you? Any what? I mean, uh, if, are you able to think ahead that far? I mean, are you still really focused on this film? But what are any new projects coming in, in the works? Well, I think we're far from far from done, uh, but we're not. <laughs> I'm not ready to really announce anything right now, but. There's yeah. stuff cooking on the back burner, and it's getting moved up to the front burner pretty soon. Maybe with Mr. McConaughey again? I bet he was like, let's do something again. We'll see. Yeah, there you go. I'm just saying, there you go. that's my guess. I want to see how the first one does first. I mean, yeah. having a blue chip feature length in, the, in theaters is a really, really strange movie and release model. So I have no idea how it's going to do. Mm. Fingers crossed it's super successful, and we can just uh keep this going yeah well well definitely i mean um i mean you've another nature doc i mean i know you've done nature shorts but you've also had some that were more um say if you say sort of adventurish type we've mentioned the river and the wall more character led you know um do you have another uh full-length nature doc in your in you or are you thinking moving in maybe a, a, a slightly different direction I think we'll probably continue to do both. Uh, you know, we're coming out with a 50 minute film for PBS nature called American Ocelot this fall. Cool. Uh, but yeah, we we're scheming up some, some feature links that are, that are blue chip. Uh, I, I, I like the nature docs. It's fun. Yeah. You don't have to deal with audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Exactly. Exactly. But you've got, I mean, that's the other thing we haven't talked about. You've got great, uh, there's a great, there's great sound to this. You know, oh, the sound's there, amazing. Said, there's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Y'all did a good job of well, knowing no, like, when the music should come in and not. Like letting Texas be on stage and in the crowd. It was cool. Yeah. It was, y'all did a good job of that. Did, did you notice any of the melodies in the movie? any of the melodies in the cube no, in the school no like 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 uh in reference to something else you mean no no i didn't oh no yeah so we adapted um the texas national anthem deep in the heart of texas okay so there's a reason i had that i had Okay. Yeah, I was going to say I had that tune. I had I had the Bob Wills version running around in my head for the last uh, few That's hours. That's cool. So Y'all did that. So you That's so prob- you pulled it out. You extended it. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Re rewatch it and you'll That's, get a new appreciation. That's so cool. A lot of subtlety and detail in that That's movie. That's great. Though, watching it a second time. Yeah. To pay special attention to the cue. That's cool. That's the Texas. Dad, that's so cool. Wow, great, great job. I got to say real quick, my favorite shot, I, I hope I'm not spoiling anything, and it's one where the bat is stuck with the cactus, and I feel so bad for this little bat. And then you just see in the background this little snake come around. And I'm just like, no. Yeah, that's when you no, need to have the no, no, cue no. the jaw. I was like, music. no, 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 no. And that little snake's like, hey, hey, what's going on over here? Oh, hey, little buddy. Seems like you're stuck. Like, I mean, my gosh, that was just like the craziest shot. I can't even imagine getting that, seeing that, uh, you know, oh my God, we got this. Like, uh, what an amazing shot that was amongst many phenomenal uh, shots that were captured. But yes, I agree. And not to spoil it either, but did you know that 
that was potential to happen? I mean, when you're filming that, that this happens with the, uh, the bats and the, uh, the snakes. We did. Yeah. We actually put a camera operator in the snake pit for like a month. I I wouldn't want that job. And he had like this gas mask and he was just like getting covered in bat poop and pee for like three hours a night with the sole job of like get the snake eating the bat. Oh my God. and yeah, he nailed he got it. it. That shot he is just it. so unbelievable. The way it comes in, like out of focus in the background, right? Like if you're not really paying attention, you don't notice it right away. That's what's cool about. It. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. representative too, right? Like it's such a it's just yeah. That shot was uh, my favorite. Yeah, it's a great it's a great jump yeah. scare. And, like you don't see it coming. You're like, oh my god, no! <laughs> that was me. I'm not gonna lie, man. I shed I actually shed a few tears uh, watching the film uh, a few times. Um, yeah, my heart goes out to these animals, to be honest with you, and um, seeing some of the shots y'all captured. Uh, just seeing the bear, uh, again, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, noticing that, that oh, yeah. it, right, yeah. it's got three yeah. limbs, right, it's walking around thinking, I, I already know there's a backstory, right? You don't even need to tell me. Just that shot alone tells me, wow, this bear's had a history. And it's, man, that bear got me. I'm not going to lie, that, that bear uh, living right here with me. So these narratives, I mean, you, we, we're going to, I think we're starting to come to the end of our time together, but you, these narratives, you, you know, it's, uh, I mean, if when you're filming with people, you do observational, observational docs, you also don't know what you're going to get, but that's the same thing here with these animals. You, you've just got to let the cameras roll. And then once you've captured it, that's when you've, um, you've, you've got these stories, whether it's the mother ocelot or the, the bears or the, or the mountain lions, isn't, is, is that right? Yeah, it's getting the the right behaviors and then working with what you have in the edit room in the writing because there's no reason to write the bat is yeah. struggling as <laughs> yeah. the snake comes <laughs> around and like you can see that. But yeah. so a lot of the writing it was setting up a scene hmm. that then allowed the viewer to have the necessary information that they needed for the visuals to then make sense. And mm -hmm. we tried to strip the writing down to, to as minimal as we could and mm -hmm. just let the, let the animals. And then for the emotional stuff or for like the prime emotions, uh, it, it was largely done, done musically. Um, and the yeah. score is just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, our composer just mm -hmm. really did an amazing job. Yeah, uh, hats oh, yeah. off and shout out to the to, to him. I think just a thought came to me, knowing how because I know Mr. McConaughey has a young family. Just keep this in mind. To I wouldn't be surprised if one of his children thinks the coolest thing that Daddy's ever done is narrating this nature doc. Oh. <laughs> no, just I mean also it's because how the kids are. You know he could have won an Academy yeah. Award or whatever, but you know kids are like wow. <laughs> yeah, it is a wow. Daddy's narrating that bat wow scene. film for sure. <laughs> so that's funny. There you go, um, Patrick. You have anything else you want to? No, I just want to say thank y'all. Thank y'all for making this. Thank y'all for bringing attention to Texas um, and what we need to do to protect it. I love this state. I have a whole podcast dedicated to this state and highlighting great Texans that do wonderful things for this state. So. Um, uh, it's also my mission um, to help the state. So, yeah, thank you all so much for doing this. And not just 
presenting a great message and a great film but it's uh, you know it's very entertaining as well and again just seeing different sides of texas so thank y'all so much what, what a great film i can't wait to watch more of y'all's work and uh yeah see what else y'all do yes thank you, uh, thank you so much well likewise thank you for coming on to uh factual america when you make your next uh well, it doesn't even have to be a feature, but when you make your next feature, let us know. We'd love to have you on again. Um, and it's been a, a thrill finally to get you on and to talk about this, uh, certainly for me personally. And I think something for our, our listeners uh, and, and viewers, you'll uh, do check out uh, Deep in the Heart. You'll find out many of you will f discover something that I've known f for a long time, that uh, Texas is a very beautiful place. It, uh, and just amazing countryside and wildlife and it's uh probably one of the lesser uh less publicized aspects of the state and that shouldn't be the case so guys thanks again um we've been here with uh ben masters and katie baldock the award-winning filmmakers behind deep in the heart it's a theatrical release on june 3rd uh wider release uh coming later in the year in july just be on the lookout for that. Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. Go to the website. I'm sure it's there as well. And just to say thank you again and um, wish you the best of luck with uh, all this and all your future projects. Thank, thank you. Guys. Have a good one. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lone Star Plate. Again, I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. I want to thank uh, Matthew Sherwood from Factual America again for teaming up for this. Uh, what a wonderful episode. Um, again, we'll put a link in the description. Please check out that podcast. It's amazing. Again, they cover uh, documentaries. Uh, so, yes, they have the filmmakers or producers on to talk about. It. So it's awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you to Ben and Katie for coming on to talk about their film Deep in the Heart. Again, we'll put a link in the description to that, so make sure you go see it in theaters. Again, amazing display of Texas. Uh, it's just ridiculously so good. And with Matthew McConaughey narrating, please. Awesome. Um, real quick, before we go, want to tell you about our sponsor, Texas Real Food, because they make all of this happen. So, yes, we do need to dedicate time to them, right? Um, and it's for a good cause, right? What a great sponsor to have, honestly, for a podcast like us, because this even goes in line with um, uh, the, the film, right? Um, Texas Real Food is a site that brings like all natural options all together, okay? You go on there, you put your zip code, and it brings up all the places around you that are serving like fresh, artisanal, organic stuff, right? So maybe a farmer's market or a butcher or, you know, um, farm to fresh, farm to table, excuse me, uh, uh, restaurant, right? Like things like that, that are around you, artisanal shops selling little things, right? Like just such a cool site. And on top of that, there's recipes, resources, articles, like all these other things you can find, uh, on top of it. And they produce this awesome podcast, uh, Lone Star Plate. So look, it's a great site. Please check it out. Um, and if there's a business on there in Texas that you think we're missing, let us know. We'll add them. Okay, guys, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for watching and supporting. As always, I appreciate it. Again, this is the Lone Star Plate. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. As always, stay Lone Star. You've been listening to the Lone Star Plate podcast with your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. For more info, go to lonestarplate.show.